Let's go to the Lord. God, what a joy it is to gather this morning. Father, we thank you for your word that you have given us. We thank you for the promise of your word. That we do not have to figure things out. All we have to do is read your word to hear it. And by your grace, understand it. And through your power, submit and follow what you have said. God, that's my prayer this morning, that you will do that for your people here. God, we are a people who have seen Christ and we need Christ today and every day. God, I pray that you will do a wondrous work within each of us here this morning. That you will open our eyes to the glory of the truth of your word. And that as we hear your word and as we hear the explanation of it, that we will be changed miraculously from within. God, my prayer is that you do not leave us where we are. Carry us, God. Help us to make it to the end. We want to see you in all your glory without any of our blemish, our weakness, our sin, whatever we have put in the path, Father, move it out of the way and draw us and bring us into your presence this morning. God, I know that's the prayer of Alethia College Park Church, Pastor Rob Stevens this morning. Lord, I pray that that church plant will also experience your goodness and your glory this morning through the preaching of your word. God, I pray that you will answer their prayer as they're looking to a new location, as they look to add more leaders, and as they hope to plant a new church from within them. Father, I pray that you will grant their request, and you will do it in such a way that they are edified as a body, and you are seen as glorious as you are. Father God, we also pray for our friends who are overseas in locations we can't even talk about. God, we pray that through their ministry of Pioneers USA that you will strengthen our friends this morning. That the hope that resides within will be a hope that is shared and others will hear and they will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and churches will be planted throughout that region. The brothers will be raised and the gospel will be proclaimed faithfully. God, we pray that you will do a work also among the Uzbek. That people in northern Uzbekistan, over 25 million people trapped in the false religion of Islam where they think they have to perform, they have to achieve in order to come into your good graces. God, break their chains. God, set them free through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, send brothers and sisters to them to share the good news of Jesus. And Father, may they become a happy people who glory in Christ. Father, I pray that you will do a wondrous work in other churches here in King George County. Father, I pray that all of your people here will be strengthened through the preaching of your word this morning. God, I pray that we will surround this county and that we will overcome the darkness and the sinfulness and the wretchedness, not through our effort and what we do, but as your instruments of grace and mercy and love.
God, I pray that you will save the people of this community. Bring them into your presence. Help them to see how wonderful and glorious you are. It's in your name. Amen. Well, as we finish uh, chapter 8, just want to remind you that last week was about having joy in the Lord from His Word. That was the overriding theme of last week, the beginning of chapter 8, having much joy in the Lord from His Word. And there was much rejoicing. And that joy that we heard about last week continues today, as you heard read earlier. This is a picture, both the joy we heard last week and it continues into this week, It's a picture of the enduring happiness of God that He gives His people. He lavishly furnishes unending joy at the commencement of faith, and it continues through the consummation of salvation in eternity. The joy through Jesus Christ, through faith, through a person of Christ, continues when you are converted and that same joy continues for all eternity. You will never have a day in your life, in your new life in Christ, that is not a day of joy. We ended last week with verse 12, which says, All the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that was declared to them. The joy of a follower of Jesus Christ is not in what you experience or what you go through. Your joy is in coming to understand what God is saying to you through His Word. The word of God was read and preached by Ezra to the remnant of Israel. And then the passages were explained to them. And this stirred within the hearts of the people a joyful celebration. The word of God does that. When the Spirit gives understanding, God's word breathes life into the soul and makes it rejoice. That's because it's a good, happy word. That book that you hold in your hand or that you can pull up on your app, on on your smartphone, that word is a good, happy word. And it's wholesome and happy because it's a portal into the infinitely happy God. His happy word points to our happy God. The people were showered with blessing and nourishment in meeting together and hearing God in His grace and mercy. This word that describes Him gives comfort to suffering people who need relief from their sin and are godless pleasures. As Ezra preached and explained what's written, a kindling for God in all His glory is ignited. The more that is read and shared about God, the more people see there is to worship and to celebrate Him. Hearts become full, lives are changed, sinners become saints, and happiness and rejoicing take place. 
The people on that day were reminded of the covenant God made with their ancestors. Of how God promised to keep them, to make them into a great nation, to wash them of their sin and their guilt. And that He would be their God forever. The good and glorious God who made the universe, who's sovereign and holy, is an unseen yet personal God who has revealed His glory by speaking, by making Himself heard, enters into relationship with His people. He shares Himself. He shares His happy self and He befriends His people. For God to be for you in this covenantal promise is cause for great rejoicing. Our God is a God who never changes. Our God is a happy God and He will forever be happy. And He befriends a people and He brings them into this joyful, happy presence. There's nothing that keeps God from being happy. He is so glorious that He has the power to overcome anything that would stop Him from having joy. And He communicates this fullness of joy that is His through His covenant and His people receive His happiness and they become a people who also rejoice in Him. We share this endless joy that God has. It's like a gentle, cool breeze that keeps blowing on a hot, humid day. The joy just just keeps coming. It never ends because God is infinite. John Piper begins his book, The Pleasures of God, with 1 Timothy 1.11. Write that down on your bulletin or in your notebook, or you can turn to it with me. It is an important verse for today's passage. 1 Timothy 1.11, it says, part of which says this, The gospel of the glory of the blessed God. Piper points out what I want you to see this morning in that phrase. The gospel of the glory of the blessed God. The word blessed in that phrase is makarios in Greek. Makarios means happy. So 1 Timothy 1.11 refers to the good news of the glory of the happy God. God is an infinitely glorious God. And what I want you to see is this makes him infinitely happy in himself. He's a happy God. His joy and pleasure have no end. God was always full of joy and he always will be. And through covenant, God brings his people into that same happy state that he is in. That's why the people were told earlier in verse 10 of chapter 8 in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is your strength. God doesn't just give you joy. He doesn't just give it like a present. He possesses it. He experiences experiences it in himself. He is a fountain of joy because 
What he consists of is joy and happiness. He's the source of joy because it's who he is. That's why joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So this causes a question, at least it did for me. What is it that makes God so happy? Have you ever thought about that? Let's be real for a second. The God that we read about in the Old Testament doesn't always seem to be happy, does he? Many have called him an angry God. What is it that makes God so infinitely happy? What is it that the people heard on that day when Ezra preached the word and they said, we can't get enough of this word. We want more of this word. We want more of God. And it caused them to rejoice. What was it? Here, Jonathan Edwards helps us. I'm going to take what what he describes and apply it to what the people heard and what was read and explained from the Pentateuch in the first five books of the Bible as Ezra read. Edwards says, happiness is the end of creation. It's the purpose of creation. It's evidenced because it appears God's goodness moved him to create. That's what the people heard in Genesis. God finished creating and said, this is good. What he did was good. Edwards then says, God did this so that he might delight in seeing the creatures he made rejoice in being his creation. You were created from God's goodness for joy that comes from God and is only found in God. And we also know that God created for His glory to be known and adored. Thus we have the awesome purpose statement, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Edwards then says, glorifying God is rejoicing in glory that God has displayed. The people then heard how mankind did not rejoice in this happy God. And yet how he promised to redeem his creation by building a great nation that would be a blessing for himself and a blessing through him for all the nations of the world. These promises are made and each time God elaborates and makes them more specific. This is the storyline of the Pentateuch. There's a trajectory laid out that God says, I will fulfill my promise. And each time it gets clearer and clearer. Even though there's little to no delighting in God. There's even willful rebellion toward God. And yet by my divine grace, this wayward people will be granted mercy And I will forever bless them when they keep my law and honor me with the same delight that they were created in. Everything that God does is good. And nothing can frustrate Him from accomplishing what He wants. For His own glory, He created a world to display who He is and to bring His creation to Himself in joyful worship. And nothing can stop that from happening. This is why God is so happy. 
And this is why Nehemiah told the people to eat and drink and they had a feast and they celebrated because they understood that God is a happy God who promises to share his eternal happiness with his people. And they went about rejoicing. For the rest of the day, the people went about just celebrating who God is. And one day wasn't enough. One day was not enough for this celebration. We're told in verse 13, on the second day, on the second day, the leaders of the people returned to hear more of what was said in the Scriptures. They couldn't get enough of this happy God and the the happiness that He brings. They went to Ezra to study more Scripture and they discovered a requirement in the law to celebrate the Feast of Booths. It's also called the Feast of Tabernacles, or by its Hebrew name, Sukkot. This feast, as part of Old Covenant worship, was one of the most joyful feasts that could be celebrated. It took place sometime in the fall, between September and October, depending on the year, in the middle of the seventh month, which was harvest time. It included eating that was brought in from the summer, and they ate things like the dates, grapes, and olives. The celebration brought to remembrance this harvest that they were feasting on, and then in the booths was a remembrance of the constant provision of the covenant-keeping God. It was He that gave them what they needed and desired. And remember back in verse 2, Nehemiah has already told us that this was the first day in the seventh month. So after hearing Ezra read of the Feast of Booths, there's only a few days until the festival is supposed to begin. The festival was spelled out in Leviticus 23, 33 through 43. And here's verse 42 and 43. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. That your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 16 also describes it. and says, you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your whole family, it says. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God. So they left their homes, they gathered up sticks and palm branches, and they made little huts. They gave up their comforts for a week to honor and celebrate their reliance on God. The booth was a physical reminder of God's protection and His provision. The people remembered that they only made it out of Egypt and through the wilderness into the promised land because of God's good grace. This was a time of rejoicing and God's salvation of His people. Upon hearing Ezra reading this and explaining it, the men realized the timing of it, and they took immediate steps to reinstate the feast. Not since the time of Joshua was there such a flurry of gathering sticks and celebration of this feast. Now the feast had been celebrated on occasion, since it was first instituted, but not like this. Not like this day. There was something different here. 
There had not been a feast as joyful as this one for a very long time. And verse 17 says, There was very great rejoicing. Through His Word, God opened a window into His own happiness for His people. He is glad in who He is. And His willingness and commitment to share it with His people and provide His goodness for them. This resulted in a desire in the people to live in obedience, even if it meant temporary discomfort in the booths. And following Scripture resulted in great joy. When we are given the grace to see God's endless joy in who He is, and we understand His Word is given to help us and draw us into His own happiness, and we submit in obedience to His written Word, there's great joy. There's great joy for all to be had. After hearing the Word of God read for hours the day before, And it being explained to them, the people responded in joyful submission to it. People were seen building booths on their roofs. And the roofs aren't like ours today. Back in in that day, the roofs were flat in those days. And some booths were built there on the roofs, and that's where they celebrated God's good provision. Others expressed their faith in God by building booths on the street. And some in the outer courts of the temple and the square near the gates. People used any open space they could to get into the celebration of this happy God who's giving happiness through His provision and His protection. The people willfully filed out of their homes and they followed the parameters of the feast and they had great rejoicing. Day by day, we're told, the Word of God continued to be read. There was a return to the emphasis of God's Word, and joy filled the city. There's a model for us, isn't it? We look out at all the, broken, all the brokenness in the world, all the waywardness, all the licentious living, all the godlessness and idolatry that permeates our land and our families, and it seems so profound and extreme. How will it ever end? Well, we have the example here, and God has told us in clearer terms in Romans 10, beginning in verse 14, if you want to turn there with me. In Romans 10, beginning in verse 14, this is what God has already told us. This is how it ends. How will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Joy will fill our streets 
as people hear the Word of God and it's explained to them that Christ fulfills all of it. The Spirit will turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh that have deep affection for Him. Repentance will take place and they'll be grieving for their sin. And you and I will have the opportunity to tell them that the reason we have for rejoicing is because of Christ. They don't have to grieve their sin anymore. Trust in Christ and rejoice in Him. Obeying God will not be like a drag or a great bore to them. God's happiness in Himself will be the happiness sought after and there will be willing hearts to obey what He says. He will be seen as the God that He is. The one who protects and provides and renews His people for Himself. God does this joyfully through His Word being shared. We are renewed through it and He brings others into His protection through it also. That's what the people are experiencing here in Nehemiah. We need to share His Word so they too can experience His happiness and they can respond in joyful obedience. Those who celebrated the Feast of Booths on this occasion did so from hearts that were full of joy in the Lord and celebrating His provision for them. They had a new understanding of God's Word and they responded with a new sense of obedience to Him because of His delight in giving grace and mercy. And it's so abundant and good. And He gave them great joy. But this is not all there is. We see it experienced in Nehemiah's day. But that particular celebration ended at the eighth day. God reinstituted this feast in the renewal of His people so that not only would they be filled with joy, but it would forever point forward to His eternal provision of His people. He was setting the time for Christ to fulfill the symbolism of the Feast of Booths. The provision in the wilderness protected and preserved the Israelites. But it was only temporary to lead them into the Promised Land. Jesus gives eternal protection and constant provision of life and fullness. He is the eternal booth of salvation. He's God's greater provision for His people. He's not a temporary shelter. He's a life-giving tabernacle for us. Today, all who trust and believe in Jesus for salvation are sealed forever in God's happiness because of Christ. We are a joyful people because God provides eternal redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why our joy is not based on our circumstances. We can go through the hardest things in life 
and still have deep, deep joy because our Savior has ensured eternity for us. You see, Christ is God's happiness. I told you that God is a happy God. And Christ is God's happiness. God declares that He he loves and delights in His Son. The relationship between the Father and the Son is pure joy. And we share in that joy that goes on forever, we share in that through Jesus Christ. And then the Spirit seals that forever for us. To enter into this eternal joy, you must first give up self-reliance. Like the people who left their homes to live in booths, you have to trust that God will provide life for you. That He is the protector and the sustainer of your soul. Every believer here recognizes that Jesus has died for you and me because we are so lost and full of sin that He did it gladly because He loves us and He wants us to have His happiness. Even if you're a believer and you're struggling to find joy this morning, I want you to hear me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you're saying, okay, this eternal joy, that's great. I know it's true, but where is it? Remember that God is always happy. God is always full of joy. And what He has for you today and tomorrow is for your good. He's for you Through Jesus Christ, the happy God has made a covenant with you for your joy. So put your hope in Christ. In Christ is where that joy is found. And when you see how much better Christ is, that God's mercy and joy is forever in Him, then you will know where true joy comes from. It's in His Word. If you're struggling to find joy this morning, I encourage you to open up the Word and read and look for Christ who is the fullness of joy. Trusting in Christ and following Him according to His Word results in very great rejoicing. The more you immerse yourself in His Word, the more you will understand it and be affected by it. And your desire for Christ will grow, and so will your joy. The same will be for your family. The same will be for our neighbors in this community. We need to pray that they will get to know the Word of God and that we will be His instruments to share this truth with them. And as we pray... We need to then saturate this community with the good news of the glory of the happy God that's revealed in the Scriptures. And the joy that's in Christ will be ours and it will grow in us and it will be so abundant it will overflow to others as God brings them into His family as well. Let's pray.